If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. This is the next to the last sermon on our series called Uncharted. Uh, we'll follow up next week. will be our last Sunday for this series, Uncharted. We'll be talking about grief. And uh, don't know that you know it or not, but we believe, I believe, that uh, we're experiencing um, grief as, as a society. Uh, grief is when something is taken away from you and you mourn over that process. And we've had a lot of stuff taken away from us lately. Personal touch, contact, gathering together, space, sports, a lot of things in our society that's been taken away. And I believe that we as a nation are in a grieving process. And understanding that helps us to be able to take steps to work through that and come out on the other side a little more healthy than we could be, would have been, if we don't recognize it. So we're going to be talking about the stages, recognizing that, and maybe some guidelines or some suggestions of how to walk through that. So that's coming up next week. So that'll be our last Sunday for the Uncharted series. Then we'll have Communion Sunday will be the following Sunday after that, the first Sunday of August. And then we'll start a new series after that called New Beginnings. Because even though we may not be in a new beginning per se, you know, you plan for new beginnings before new beginnings start. You know that, right? It's part of the strategy and planning process. So we're going to be talking about a new beginning. What would it look like? How can we dream? What would it, uh, how can we paint it in our mind and how can we live it in our actions if we could design a new beginning? And what would God have us form it like? What would he fashion it to be? In other words, do we want the new beginning to look like we want it to look or do we want it fashioned in the way God would design? And I believe there's some truths to be learned in that process. So we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks after that in a series that we're titled New Beginnings. Today, we're in Joshua chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. It reads this way, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. We've never been here, ladies and gentlemen. Neither had the children of Israel been here before this generation. This was a new thing. We're in a new thing. Let's talk a little bit about how we're to discover God in this uncharted territory for ourselves. The title of today's sermon is called Understanding Authority because I believe that we have a crisis of respect and honor for authority in this nation. And I want to talk a little bit about it this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. 
We pray that you will open our hearts and minds to receive your truth, that our lives will be transformed more into your image. We pray this now in Jesus' name, and everyone said, let me ask you a question this morning. Who likes to be told what to do? Anybody? John, you're always, that's a lot. Okay, now we have a true confession. Okay, nobody. I, I have a confession. I don't like to be told what to do. I never have liked to be told what to do. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, I didn't like mom and daddy telling me what to do. I went to school and I didn't like the teachers telling me what to do. When I went in the army, I didn't like them telling me what to do either. And when I got married, I didn't like her telling me what to do either. But you know what? What I found out is that I need people to tell me what to do a lot of the times. And it seems like, especially us in the Western culture, feel like we have some kind of right that we don't have to do what everybody tells us to do, even when it's right and especially if it's wrong. We don't allow leadership anymore in our lives to go unquestioned. And bless their hearts if any leader makes a mistake in this country anymore. We don't understand authority because we don't respect authority. We don't honor authority. We don't understand authority. And that begins here in the house of God because we serve the ultimate authority in God, the creator of the universe. We serve the ultimate authority through his son, Jesus Christ. We serve the ultimate authority with the Holy Spirit who indwells, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He indwells our hearts and our soul. It is the ultimate authority. And yet we, because we're Americans, because we're Western culture, we believe that we have the audacity to understand that we have sole authority in our own lives. I hate to break it to you, but I'm just gonna be truthful with you because I'm your pastor. You are not. And if you believe it, you are deceived. The truth is not in it. We serve the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And if we do, and we believe that we're redeemed by Jesus and we accept Jesus as our, Christ, as our Lord, as our Savior, understand, He is our Lord. What does the Lord do? A Lord tells His people what to do, doesn't He? That's what a Lord does. If we accept the Lord part of Jesus, not only the Savior part, everybody likes to be saved, right? We want to be saved, we want to go to heaven. But how many of us accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Mm. You see, here's what happens. When we follow authority and we do what the authority says, we find safety in it. We find purpose in it. We find a plan in it. For example, you see, I didn't like to do what mom and daddy said. But I did because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be with you today. 
I didn't want to do what my teachers told me to do, but I did because if I hadn't, they would have told my parents and I wouldn't be with you here today. I had to do what the army told me to do because if I didn't, they wouldn't tell my parents because they didn't need to, I just wouldn't be here with you today. I have to obey my wife because if I didn't, I wouldn't be married. And some of you are going, what did she say obey his wife? No, I misspoke. If I didn't follow her leadership at times, I wouldn't be married to her. Thus, I probably wouldn't be with you today. You see, leadership and authority is placed at all levels in our life for our protection and for our care. Now, let me explain a little bit about authority because I want to unpack especially this husband and wife thing just quickly for a minute. You see, there's two aspects of authority that we must understand to get to the third aspect, which is what really we're seeking. One, we must learn how to follow authority before authority has full effect in our life. Two, we must learn how to follow authority before we ever get in a position that we can lead with authority. And we are people who needs to lead. I love to lead because God has called me to lead. But guess what? Every one of you are leaders as well. Different levels, but we're all leaders because you lead your own life. You've accepted Jesus Christ personally as your personal savior. Not because your mama said so, not because your dad said so, but because you came to an understanding knowledge of the salvation power of Jesus Christ. And thus, you've accepted him and you're his child. You led yourself as Christ drew you near to make that decision. So we're all leaders in some aspect. Some way, we're leaders. There's an old saying, to be a great leader though, you must be a great follower. And we have trouble following leadership. We really do. We struggle with it. We want to press against it. We want to you know, try to keep it at bay, so to speak, because we really, really like our thoughts. We really think that we have a lot of answers, and they're good ones, because you see, we don't understand completely. I saw a posting on social media the other day that I thought was good, and I don't post on social media, I troll. So I know what you're posting. And God knows this sermon's necessary. <laughs> Woo! Y'all a mess. And y'all are the good ones. Okay. So I saw this post and I thought it was really good the other day. It says, who to believe, who to believe. I've got doctors and nurses, immunologists, people that's been studying medicine all these years and are experts in their, in their field and they're saying this about the COVID-19 virus. But yet on the other side, there's John and Harry and Susie and, 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 and other people. They all, I went to high school with them, they barely passed science, but they say that it's nothing to it, it's just a hoax. Who to believe? I don't know who to believe.
Isn't that true, though, in a lot of ways? We want to take people that are experts in a field, and then we want to listen to somebody that doesn't know a test tube from a wine glass, and we want to say, take their opinion that has just as much weight as this other person's opinion. Why do we do that? Because number one, we have no idea and we've lost our way about authority, respect, and honor. Respect and honor is a gone art, lost art in this country. You know, used to be, and I'm just going to come down here because this is really, I'm passionate about this because we're in a bad state in this nation, in this country. Bad state. Because we don't know how to follow authority. We really don't. We have people that are talking against leadership, people that are spreading vile rumors that are not even true. People are doing all kinds of things that usually comes out in election years. And they use this thing, you know, you stick it out. I know you got a mask on, but I'm imagining everybody's tongue out. You know, Scripture says the life, the power of life and death lies within the tongue. Did y'all know that? What you speak often is what manifests in your life. And we've got so much negativity. We've got so much gloom and despair. We've got so much that's in our midst over leadership that is unreal. We don't respect it. We don't honor it. We don't do anything anymore. We've lost the art of following now it's just what we're pushed into and made to do. And that's not God's way. You say, well, how do you know God's way? Oh, because I follow him. And what scripture says that God places all authority over men and that we're to obey the laws of the land and the governments in which he is placed in control. Did you know that? It's in the Bible. Okay. Also, did you know this? That there's a big difference between the authority of morality and spiritualness and the authority of civil union and government. And so many times, especially in the Christian world, we want to marry those two up together, and it's very difficult. Understand this, that Bible says that we wrestle against the carnality and the things that goes on in the flesh, but the spirit in which God controls is which really should harness our heart and our lives and what we do, how we face them. For example, God says that we're to love our enemies, to pray for them that are spitefully use us, right? But what do we do? We want to try to get them back, cut their legs out from under them, and do all kinds of different things. Listen, if I came to you and I honored and respected you, you probably would be more inclined to hear my idea and if you were respectful and kind to me and back in, in return, I'd be more inclined probably to hear your idea and come up with a, a reasonable solution of how to approach this problem that we're having. But do we have that anymore? No, we don't have that anymore. We have everybody pointing fingers, backbiting, and calling people names and doing everything else that is completely opposed to what Scripture tells and calls us to be as Christian people. And Christians are doing it just as bad as secular people. Just as bad. Now, this is not a sermon that's going to make you feel good. I know it's going to tell you that. 
It's not going to give you the warm fuzzies. It's not going to make you feel better when you leave here. Hopefully, you'll be under conviction a little bit and change some of the aspects of how you live to more line up with the ways of God. Because you see, the ultimate authority is God. And when we disrespect the authority he's placed over, we're disrespecting him. I'm your pastor. I'm here to call truth, truth, and to call us out. And listen, I'm not calling you out. I'm the chief sinner in here, the chief one. Don't ask John Beatty, because he probably confirmed that. (laughs) We're in small group together, and he hears all my rants, okay. But the fact of the matter is, we've lost this art of following, because following takes respect, and it takes honor. We've lost that. Used to in the secular world, that would be a, a, we would call that statesmanship. We have no statesmanship left in this country. No care and honor and respect for each other. All we have now is backbiting and agendas that we're serving an agenda no matter what the carnage and no matter what the collateral damage. And is that, is, is that God's way? There's a, there's a scripture in Matthew 8 that talks about a centurion. Matthew 8, 8, if you'll look it up, Matthew 8, 8 talks about this centurion. It has a sick daughter. He goes to Jesus because he's heard that this man was a healer and he believed in this man and his ways. And he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have a daughter. He's, she's sick. And I need you to speak healing in her life. And he goes, okay. I'll come and, and, and lay hands on her and heal her. And he goes, no, no, you don't have to do that. I am a man who understands authority. I have given orders and I have taken orders. And I know if you'll just say the word, she will be healed. Wow. He understood authority. And what was Jesus' response? Jesus' response says, wow. Same thing I did. Being Jesus, we're close like that. He said, wow, no greater faith have I seen in all of Israel because this man understands authority and this man will understand his daughter's healing today as we speak. Great example of a man that wasn't even part of the Jewish crowd, Jewish sect in which he was trying to preach to, but he understood authority and Jesus recognized that and counted it to his good. He said, all of Israel have I not seen such great faith. He counted it as faith, respect and authority. He counted it as faith. Hmm. You see, we've lost faith. We've lost faith in God because some of the leadership that we've seen, and we've looked to the leadership instead of God. And we've not allowed our leaders to make mistakes and trust that God can overcome that. How many of you know that God can overcome your mistakes? Some of you do. Maybe some of you hadn't trusted enough. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, he's overcome a lot in my life because I've made plenty of mistakes. How about you? And, and yet, as I've made these mistakes, God has helped me overcome those mistakes. And not only has he brought me to the place I would have been if I chose correctly, he's advanced and given me even more. Why? Because I've trusted him. I trusted his authority. 
And I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I've acknowledged him. And he's encouraged me and lifted me up and brought me to even a better place than what I, I would have been, even if I hadn't. But we don't have that latitude for others that's leading us, do we? In any shape, form, or fashion. One mistake, and boy, we want to hang them on the cross, crucify them, instead of pray for them and encourage them, lift them up. When's the last time you've heard somebody talk about an encouraging word for our leaders instead of talking about everything they've done wrong? You know, John and Sue, that couldn't pay, pass uh, high school science, is talking about what corona is. We want to tell everybody what we don't know. We want to tell everybody about what the situation is, and we've not witnessed anything about the situation. What are we doing as a people? Do we have to be in the know so much that we just start making up stuff and what we think seems right or things that we just want it to be instead of understanding what truthfully is going on? This is a concern for us as a nature, as a nation, I believe, and for us as a Christian church. We don't understand authority. We don't know how to follow authority. Thus, it makes it to where we don't understand how to lead. By the, other one, by, by the way, to be able to be a good leader, you must be a good follower. Did I make that comment? I remember when I was in the military. You know, military is famous about doing stupid stuff. Do y'all know that? <laughs> those, are, those of us in the military, we know that. Okay, very much. Those that are not married to us, that was in the military, you know that too. But those that have never been in the military, bless your hearts, we're not you know, like on TV. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of stupid stuff that goes on in the military. But still one of the greatest fighting machines in the world. You know, and, and I, I love the military. Pray for them every day. But when I was uh, in the military, uh, we'd, they'd come down with stupid stuff and people want to complain about it all the time. Said, no, nah, we're not going to do that, blah, 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 blah. And I said, hold on, time out. Yes, we are. We're going to do it to the best of our ability because if we do not, they will never discover how stupid it really is. <laughs> they will always blame us for not trying. But if we will give it our 100% effort and ooh-ah and gung-ho it to death and make sure it has every opportunity to succeed and it fails, and it will fail, by the way, when we come back to the table, not only will they go back to the table to rethink it, they will invite us to the table to find out what could make it better. Why? Because we've earned credibility doing our best with what we thought was not. And guess what? Sometimes we found out the stupid wasn't so stupid if we tried. You ever found that out? Do something you thought was stupid at the beginning and found out it was a great thing. I remember Lynn telling me, he's not here today, he's probably watching on the internet, I'm gonna tell, you the, I'm, I'm gonna tell this on you. We, had, we started out, we started in the old sanctuary over here about 20 years ago, we had eight people. And I said, we're gonna be a church that reaches out to the community. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a Saturday. It was election year, and we're going to offer up our church, and we're going to give everybody free soup and crackers and dessert, piece of cake. We'll call it Soup for the Soul. So we put up banners, and we put it out here on the corner, and we opened that little bit of kitchen up, and, and we had people come in. Y'all remember this, don't you? And we, had, and we had a good turnout, didn't we? People came in from everywhere. And, and just packed the place, people all over the place. Lynn came up to me a few years later after we started growing and doing some things. He goes, 
Preacher, I have to tell you, you remember that thing we did? It's called Soup for the Soul a few years back. I said, yeah. He said, I have to admit, I thought that was the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> he said, but you know, that turned out to be a good event. And I really enjoyed it. And I think everybody else had a good time. I said, yeah, there's a lot of stupid things that I've done that God's turned it for good because I've had faith. How about you? So be very careful how we judge stupid stuff. Maybe if we give it our best effort, we might find the stupid to be really stupendous. You never know. But we would try. And what happened is after we tried, and they knew that we tried and gave it 100%, we gained credibility and were invited into the process and were able to make some changes that were beneficial and things that were good. But if we press against and we just don't want to do what we're told to do because we just don't want to do it, maybe we've got a problem that's not within our leaders. Maybe we have a problem not within the experts. Maybe we have a problem right here. Understanding authority. We must first learn how to follow it. Because you can't be a good leader if you're not a good follower. Brings up second point. Leadership is given. Every one of us in here are leaders. Every one of us. Because you lead yourself first. I'm married to this woman right over here and we have a family. Guess what? I'm the leader of this family. I'm the leader of this family. But I'm gonna tell you, remember the statement I said that I don't like doing what she says to do? But nine, nine, time, nine times out of 10, I do. You know why? And don't give me this cliche saying, happy wife, happy life, <laughs> type thing. It's not because of that. Now, there is some truth to that. But it's not because of that. It's because as a leader, I recognize good ideas when I hear them. Being a good leader doesn't mean that you have all the right answers. Being a good leader means that you can step back when somebody else does and let them take it. Doesn't make you any less of a leader. Matter of fact, it provincially propounds your propensity to be a good leader. We must be a good follower to be a good leader because understanding following helps me to make that choice of letting her lead in times that she has expertise or when she has the best idea or when she has the best ideas. It just so happens to be in our relationship that I'm right only about 10% of the time, but you know, I'll take that. Amen? <laughs> That's a joke. Okay. It's supposed to be a joke anyway. <laughs> it might not be a joke, but it's supposed to be a joke, okay? Relationships, understanding authority, understanding how to follow, understanding how to lead, makes all the difference in the world. And it starts with two things, respect and honor. We don't know how to respect people anymore, and we're sure not honoring people anymore. In the South, we used to have these things we say, we teach our children. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Y'all remember that? There's a lot of power in that. It's not just a cliche thing, but what it does, it, 
rehearses and teaches and rehearses and teaches respect. Now you can do it with titles like Mr. S- you know, Mr. So-on, so-on, Mr. Dorning, you know, Mr. Reinhardt, Mr. Williams. And a lot of professional people do that using professional names, Dr. Dorning, whatever you are, Reverend Dorning. These are titles and stuff, and they, and they honor, honor, they issue respect. They put you in a position of respect. We don't do this much anymore. It's yes and no, and we get ourselves out of position, and we don't practice honoring the other person. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. It's respect. And thus, when we get into another phase of life or whatever, we, because we're not practicing that respect, we don't know how to honor somebody. So we feel awkward and we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to honor somebody that's older than we do and and thus we don't know how to honor somebody that's in a position of leadership that should be respected and honored. We need to practice that more. You know, I even say yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am to people that are much younger than me and they're not even a status. That mean they're not even a leadership position or anything like that because I want them to know that I respect them. And that's the best way to do it without me saying, hey, 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 get ready now. I'm fixing to respect you. I don't have to say that. All I have to do is say, yes, ma'am. Guess what that says automatically? It means I respect you. I honor you. We don't teach that anymore. We don't train that anymore. I'm concerned about it. I think God's concerned about it. God says that we need to come together, give honor where honor is due. Do you know that's in the Bible? It also says that a prophet is worth double honor. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? I want y'all to hear that. A prophet is worth double honor. I'm no prophet, so you don't have to worry about it. And some people that go around and call themselves prophet. They ain't no prophet either, okay? A true prophet of God is humble. A true prophet of God does, there's two things a prophet does. He foretells and he foretells. A true prophet of God does more foretelling than he does foretelling. And if you have a prophet to come to you that's foretelling what's gonna happen in imagery and stuff like that, you know, you better be careful about that. Foretelling is, you know, bad things are happening, but this is what God is calling us to do. Jeremiah 29 says this, that a people, a nation, if they will humble themselves and seek God's face, he will come to their presence and heal their land. And their land may not be a nation, it may. The land may not be a, a state, it may. The land may not be a community, it may. But the land is always you. It's always you. You can't not be blessed when you humble yourself before holy and a righteous God and you allow him to infuse into you the respect and honor of the authority that he's placed in your life to do its good work and its good pleasure so what does that mean for us today if we understand authority we understand how to follow we understand how to lead that produces a product that we all seek that is fulfillment how many of you know that we want to be fulfilled in our lives 
Every one of us want to be a life fulfilled, okay? When you understand how to follow leadership, you understand how to lead with humility and respect and honor, there's a fulfilling process that takes place in your heart and in your life. It brings a fruit that God says that surpasses all understanding. Peace, a joy, a love, a hope, an encouragement. I was talking to a lady the other day and she said, I feel depressed, I feel hurt, I feel like I have no hope. And I understand those feelings. Those feelings seem to invade us all. But I believe a lot of that may be because of what we speak, what we hear. By the way, if somebody else is speaking, we're hearing this. Get off social media for a while. Check out of the news for a while. We've gone for days without watching the news. And I'll feel much better, and I'll turn it on, and after 30 minutes, I'm looking at her and go, we ain't going to make it. I'm going to enjoy tonight. I'm going to go get me a steak. I'm going to eat fries and ketchup. Matter of fact, I'm going to put double butter on my tater. Because I ain't going to make it. And then she comes out with a salad. She's leading. I have to follow. Are you listening to me? Come on now. Don't inundate yourself with news all the time. I guarantee you what it's going to be. It's worse next week. I know what it's going to be. It's worse. I know what next week's going to be. It's getting a little better. Next week's going to be. It's worse. Why? Because it keeps you listening, doesn't it? Keeps you engaged. And this depression seems to be sick in and in and in. It's real. It is worse. Take precautions. Do what we need to do. Trust God. Live life to the fullness. You want to do that by understanding authority and following it. You do that by leading well, and you do that through respect and honor. Respect your neighbor. Love your enemies. Do well to those who persecute you. And fight the good fight of faith. Amen? You glad you came to church this morning? Boy, it's been a good sermon, hasn't it? <laughs> I know y'all encouraged now. You're going to go out and say, boy, that preacher, I just love him. Just love him. He's just so good about telling us off. <laughs> yeah, well, see, I'm telling the truth to me as much or more than I am you. I fight and wrestle with making my tongue line up with what I know he wants me to do. How about you? I have to say I'm sorry a lot. It's a regular part of my, my vocabulary. She read something about this little test you take sometimes. She said, how many of you said I'm sorry or I'm, I, I don't, don't know or what are, what are some of the things? What's the hardest thing to say? I'm sorry, I was wrong. We're sisters ourselves or I'll follow you. Did y'all hear that? What's the hardest thing to say? I'm sorry, I was wrong. Was was sister sauce? What? Huh? Was sister sour sauce? Or what's the other one? Or I'll follow you. Which is the hardest to say? Mine was I'm sorry. I got this with sister sour sauce down. Of course, it was easy for me because the other three I said all the time. I'm sorry. What's the other one? I'll 
I was wrong. What's the other one? I'll follow you. I say those all the time. Yeah. I do. I really do. I don't like Worcestershire sauce. I can't even say it. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, folks, we've got work to do, and it starts here. It starts here in the house of God. Scripture says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Judgment is not condemnation. Judgment means assessing where you are and then pro applying proper judgment of how to change to be more in the image of God who created you and has full authority over us all. Judgment begins in the house of God. It begins with us. What's your response in the light of this illumination? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our day together. Thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the sharing of your heart. May our hearts be in tune with you. Help us, Lord, to follow, to lead, and to do it with respect, humility, and honor. We pray this now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Thanks for watching. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you will find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please, download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home, and we hope you enjoy your friendship experience.